Live from Cape Town, this is the voice of the Cape. The voice of the Cape. The voice of the Cape. Madrasa on air. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to yet again another edition alhamdulillah of our program none other than madrasa on a the hajj edition i'm your host yasmina peterson and i am joined in studio by none other than sheikh ibrahim abrams i hope that all of you are doing well you are snug you've got your jerseys on you're sitting with a nice cup of warm tea or coffee and you're taking down your notes in terms of hajj for those of you who aspire to go to hajj as well as those who have been on Hajj already, probably taking you right down memory lane. But do note that you can also le- you can also contact us via our SMS as well as our WhatsApp if you have any questions that you need to ask. For now, I am going to be handing over to Sheikh Inshallah, where Sheikh is going to be doing a recap as to where we stopped yesterday, and that was with regards to what happens with the different sacrifices being the Hadi. And for that, Sheikh is going to reiterate a little bit on that. But allow me to greet the guest in studio, which is Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How's yourself, Auntie Yasmina? Alhamdulillah, Sheikh. How are you? Alhamdulillah. We thank Allah for the great favors that Allah has bestowed upon us. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. However, I now hand over to Sheikh to do the opening dua for us, inshallah, and then also do a recap. Shukran jazakallah khair. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wahda wa salatu wa salamu ala man la nabiya ba'd. Rabbi shirah li sadri wa yassir li amri wa ahlul uqtatan min lisani yafqahu kawli Allahumma allimna bima yanfa'una wa anfa'ana bima allamtana Warzukna ilman ya dhal jalali wal ikram Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh Alhamdulillah all thanks and praise to Allah Tala always and forever We cannot thank Allah Tala enough for this great favor Of being of the ummah of the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam if we look in our life, what do we find in it? Favors, favors, favors. Alhamdulillah, you and I stood up this morning. We're alive, we're awake, we are healthy, we are strong. Our minds is working, we're eating, we're drinking, we're doing whatever we are, we can, alhamdulillah. We, we cannot but thank Allah enough for these favors. And the rain is falling, we are in need of it. How much is the mercy of Allah? For if without the rain, we've just seen what has happened for the last few months. Allahu Akbar. So how grateful should we not be? But these continuous favors and favors and favors and favors, that never, never, ever stops. It all comes from Allah, continuously. And still we find time to complain. Still we find time to complain. Ya Rab, may Allah grant us to come to our recognition how fortunate we are, how Absolutely rich, extremely rich and fortunate we are just having a Lord such as Allah being our Lord. Being there to serve us and to give us and to allow us to enjoy and to enjoy and to continue to enjoy. And only when he gives us one trial or one test, we find reasons to complain. Subhanak. How many favors have you enjoyed? Not one saying thank you, you and me. How many favors don't we receive that we don't even think of? Do you realize that your brain is working right now? Your eyes are seeing what's happening around you. Do you realize that you're listening to me on the radio without the favor of Allah Ta'ala granting us that ability? You and I wouldn't have been able to. 
subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah may Allah grant us to come to realize how fortunate we are love and salam upon him his family his friends whom Allah has sent to guide you and me to take us by the hand from the life of darkness and ignorance and stupidity to be able to follow that path called the path of the sirat al-mustaqim love and salam upon him his family his friends and all those who follow his path may Allah grant us to be amongst him Ameen Ameen Ya Rabbil Alameen before we do the uh, um, a recap allow me to do the opening list before we start off with the lesson Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wal Aqibatu Lil Muttaqeen Wal Jannatu Lil Muwahideen Wal Aoudwana Illa Lal Zalimeen Wal Salatu Wal Salamu Ala Ashrafil Anbiya Ibn Mursaleen Sayyidina Wa Mawlana Muhammadin Wa Ala Alihi Wa Ashabihi Ajma'in Allahumma Lakal Hamd Kama Yambaghi Lijalali Wajhika Wa Liazima Sultanik لا أحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك فلك الحمد حتى ترضى ولك الحمد إذا رضيت ولك الحمد بعد الرضا سبحانك ما عبدناك حق عبادتك سبحانك ما ذكرناك حق ذكرك سبحانك ما شكرناك حق شكرك سبحانك لا أحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك فلك الحمد حتى ترضى ولك الحمد إذا رضيت ولك الحمد بعد الرضا ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا فإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين ربنا زدنا علما ورزقنا فهما برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا أذاب النار وأدخلنا الجنة مع الأبرار يا أزيز يا غفار يا رب العالمين سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله استو اوريكاب ان يسرس لسن ودالت بوت وات وي كول ذا فوربيدن اكس فور ذا بيلجرمز رايت اند ان ذا فوربيدن اكس فور ذا بيلجرمز ام جاست غنا فيري كويكلي جو ويرينغ سون ثينغ سون كلوثينغ ام ذا ذا وومن ذات شودنت كفر هاند ان هاندز ان ا فيس men covering the head they shouldn't have put something onto their heads with the turbans wearing perfume for males and females clipping or cutting of the hair and the nails um having sexual intercourse or any form of foreplay committing sins disputing improperly with others proposing for marriage or getting married exposing game to be killed or slaughtered or pointing to or indicating a prey eating any game land game which one contributed towards the hunting by pointing to it or assisting the hunter subhanallah that brings us that brought us to the end of that the, the we will now then in, in, into the invalidators the things which takes away the validity of the hajj it invalidates the hajj right we see there are two things so one the sexual intercourse and uh, um, the important here if you have the sex and intercourse before doing the stoning on the the day of uh, um, um, Yawm al-Nahr or called the day of, of Eid if that day coming from Muzdalifah 
Even that day you have had intimacy with your wife, the prior, that it nullifies his hajj completely. And then second one is the invalidated. And then if you leave out an, a portion that's essential, and we use an example of an essential portion that you have to be on Arafah, and if you were not on Arafah during that period that you're supposed to be there, then unfortunately the person needs to come back as soon as possible. Then after that we did the forbidden acts at the two different mosques, calling the, the, the two harams or, or the, the what is known to be um, uh, uh, the, the masjid uh, at, at, at uh, sacred, sacred masjid in Medina and the sacred masjid in Mecca. And we found that there are certain things that's given to us by Allah and His Rasul, our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, indicating to us that these haramain has been made in the position of Allah choosing them to be sacred. And we use the word reserve for what we say in the reserve areas, or the, has been made reserve by Allah and His Messenger. And then we said there's various ones that, uh, that they shouldn't be hunting. We shouldn't uproot any, any animal, uh, any uh, thing that grows there. We shouldn't carry weapons there. And we shouldn't pick up any lost things that, that there is. And that is both in Mecca and in Medina. And then we went to the recompense for killing of game. And we mentioned to you in Surah Al-Ma'idah, Surah number 5, verse 95. Where Allah spoke to us, speaks to us, and he says to us, Oh, you believe, do not kill game while you are in the state of Ihram. And whosoever then kills it, and he does so intentionally, there is a penalty, says Allah. And we then went to the fact that Allah showed us that there is a. And Allah, because Allah will take retribution from us. And and then says Allah, the, the, the penalty that we paid was equal to the one that you've killed. A judge by two just and fair men. Subhanallah, to show the existence. And Allah then says that he may taste the heaviness of his deed. Subhanallah, he may be able to taste the severity or the uncomfort of his action that he did. Subhanallah, that is Allah's words, right? So the, the issue is serious, an important issue. And then we went over to the um, finality of, 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 of this, the action, the types of sacrifices related to the Hajj. Definitely we will be touching on that and we are currently looking at those factors as to what happens with the different sacrifices being the Hari and then also just before the ad break you heard Sheikh doing a brief recap as to what was covered within yesterday. I do see that there is a question that came through and shukran so much for sending that question through. We will be addressing that at about after 3 o'clock inshallah. But for now I hand back over to Sheikh to continue where we stop. Sheikh Tafatou. Shukran for that one and Yasmina, mashallah. Alhamdulillah. We were speaking about uh, the, the recapping. We looked at what the types of sacrifices related to the Hajj. We were speaking about sacrificing and we spoke about the Hadi. We spoke about the Tamad the, the, of, uh, the, the Hadi and the Dam, as they call it. And um, Allah calls us 
the 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 other one the uh, uh, Allah calls it hadith as well as when it comes to an expiation or uh, um, when it is for the Hajj or the Umrah processes, then Allah shows us the matter that happens. Now, when it comes to the normal performing of an Umrah or the normal performing of a Hajj, and the Hajj is ifrad. Now, what is ifrad? When you go for Hajj and Hajj only, which is separate to what we do, the norms of the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam was that the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam performed on his Hajj, the Hajj and the Umrah together, and that is Quran, and the other one that you and I do normally, which is called Tamattu'. Those two, according to the scholars, and we said, are the type of the fact where we need to pay Adam, where there is a, the, the need of the slaughter, right? And the scholar says to us, it is incumbent, there is no way, the word incumbent means a fart, it's a necessity, it's a wajib, there is no way, no way, no way that you and I get away from this. It's compulsory, so the hujaj by necessity must make preparation for that. If he goes for hajj in the way we go for hajj nowadays. We all leave here after Ramadan. So the moment you leave after Ramadan, whether it is the day after Ramadan, which is the Barang day, and you go and perform your hajj from there onwards, right up to the hajj period, any time in that period, there's only one way that is tamattu. If you do ifrad, then you stay in ihram from the moment you enter, and you only get out of ihram when you complete your hajj. Which means it runs for two months and ten days or thirteen days you stay in Ihram until the very very end. Or say say ten. Yeah, on the tenth day probably you will finish be finished with, with, with everything. Subhanak. Allahu Akbar. Um, um, and that is too loathsome for you and me. It is above every one of us. It's above everybody in this ummah. Thus, Allah has granted us a media to get away from it by having to make the the the, the ihram, an ihram called not ifrad, but the ihram for tamattu'. Even kiran means you need to stay in ihram until the end. Now. In that period, as we said, in a two months and ten days or fifteen days period or thirteen days period, in that period you stay in ihram all the time, and as we, as we indicated, it's not an easy job. The you and I, the average you and I, the every person, we are incapable. Not even the best amongst us is capable of, of staying in ihram for so long. So Allah to recognize who you and I are, and Allah has a complete care and love for the Ummah of Muhammad. But Allah puts a condition, if you then go, of compulsory you must then slaughter an animal, right? Subhanak lahaudu, if, if, if it's the ifrad and the, 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 if, the, the kiran and tamattu process of you into ihram, we don't have an option, we must slaughter. The third, second format of having to give a fidya or a ransom, as the scholars are say, calling it, is Allah's words in the Holy Quran, فَمَنْ كَانَ مِنْكُمْ مَرِيدًا أَوْ بِهِ مِنْ صِيَامٍ أَوْ Allah says, and whosoever of you 
are ill or has an animal, has an ailment on his scalp and that he needs to be able to cut, to shave his hair, then that person needs to pay a fidya, a ransom, for either observe or either observing fast, either slaughtering the other fidya, the fidya is either the ransom of observing fast for three days, giving charity by feeding six poor persons, or sacrificing a sheep. That is the three forms that you can probably use in the fidya. So that's a, that's a, that's a, the, the the ransom process. Then there is another format called the sacrifice for expiation. This is a person who does the hunting, and we've done looked at the hunting process. Then that person needs to be able to slaughter. In that case, the case, the person, the, the scholar says it's a necessity. Um, he must do it because of what has happened. Um, and that person and uh, the the animal that will be slaughtered must be similar, as discussed, to the the size of the animal. And as we said. If he has killed or hunted a, 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 a fowl or a, a hare, then the, oh, the nearest size to that is a sheep. And if he has killed something like a buck, then the nearest size to that is a cow or a, a, a buffalo, a camel, or, 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 because a camel and a cow would be considered the same. But as we see, that is in the expiation processes. Number four, they say to you that if the person wasn't able to complete his rights and they had not made the exception to his intention, he was prevented. And remember, we said right at the beginning in Surah, Surah uh, right at the beginning of the discussions of Surah Al-Baqarah, one verse one ninety-six, Allah says, "For in ahsirtum and ought you to be." Prevented of having to fulfill from a stay saramin al hadi, then the, the necessity of slaughtering a sheep is you don't have an option. That brings us to number four, and then there is a number five, which we says, if a person has had the inter, in, in, intercourse with his with his partner, or the two of them had intercourse, then unfortunately they must pay. Um, they must come back to be able to fulfill the Hajj the year thereafter and they need to pay either the camel or the sheep pertaining to the circumstances as to when it all happened. And that brings us to the five and allow me then to look at the five with you people. If number five is not what has happened to you, you mean you did not have sexual intercourse with your partner. You fall away from that. This number four we say to you, you were prevented and you now could not complete. If you were not prevented and you could complete, so number three falls away, number four falls away from you. If you had to uh, sacrifice because of you did the hunting, um, then you obviously had to pay that. But now let's say under normal circumstances for now, we did not. So number three falls away. Number two is a ransom that you pay, fidya that you pay because you have sickness or weaknesses and you have to scratch or you have to cut your hair or things of that nature. Then you have to do that. And if you do not have like what we find ourselves in the present day and age, Alhamdulillah, many of us do not. So number two falls away. So now there's 
of the five reasons, most probably you don't need to slaughter an animal. Look at number number one. They say if you are on the intention for Hajj of Tamattu or Kiran, then it's a necessity, so nobody can come away from it. Showing very clearly that every Hujaji must, by necessity, as a fact, recognize we cannot dream the wish and the hope for not slaughtering on Hajj. Right? The necessity of having to slaughter. Now, I, I need to also indicate to us the misunderstanding that there is in the verses, where many of us follow the interpretation of some of the translations, where they say to you, in when they say to you, if he doesn't find any animal to slaughter, then he can uh, pay the, 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 by fasting for three days in Makkah and seven days when he returns. We will definitely be reiterating on that uh, note. Sheikh was looking at uh, the different sacrifices and bringing it, breaking it down to us to number five. However, I'm now going to be handing over to Sheikh to continue, inshallah. Sheikh Tafato. Shukran for that one, Yasmina. Just before the break, we were saying to you that of those five, those four five times of, of, of sacrifices, if for that matter you manage to get away from the two, from number number five, number four, number three, number two, then yes, alhamdulillah, you don't need to slaughter an animal. But number one says, your intention is to perform hajj with tamattu, the way we need to do it today, so that we cannot go and perform hajj without having to slaughter. And Allah Ta'ala says in the Holy Quran, If you do not find an animal to slaughter, which means there will be a period in time in history according to Allah's words, that they will, you would want to slaughter and you have the ability to can slaughter, but you have the finances or the, 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 the animal, or the, 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 the ability to buy the, the uh, animal to slaughter, but there will not be any animals around. And there has in history been such a time, in the time of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and thereafter, and in history past, when I say history past, I speak at our past, in, in, in our time that we live today, there has been periods where there was not enough animals to slaughter for the amount of hujaj that there has been. So that is the reality. That might even return again in the future. So the words of Allah, فَمَلَّمْ يَجِدَ Whosoever don't find an animal to slaughter, then that person, فَصِيَامُ ثَلَاثَةِ أَيَّامٍ فِي الْحَجِّ He must fast three days during the hajj. وَسَبْعَةٍ إِذَا رَجَعْتُمْ And seven days he must come and follow thereafter. Seven days together, three days together during the Hajj and three seven days together during... Allah says, تِلْكَ عَشَرَةٌ كَامِلَةٌ That three plus that seven makes a complete ten. Allah tells says that. And the misinterpretation, the misunderstanding of the approach of this is when some of the people don't say, if you don't find, they say, if you cannot afford. It is not Allah's words to say you cannot afford. Allah says you must see that you do afford. You have the right to take monies with you. You have the right to be able to see that you can do business there or interaction there and have the monies to pay. But it is a necessity. It's a fart. You cannot without having to slaughter. Right? Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah.
But then on the other hand, if we understand the depth of the slaughtering, we will appreciate it so much more to realize the favor of Allah. Allow me, with no disrespect, to take you to that last part. What is the reason for sacrificing? Why does we have to sacrifice in Makkah? Let me show you what happens. The sacrificing and the slaughtering of Hajj is very much like the uh, fit, the fitra that you pay in the month of Ramadan. So what happens? What is the fitra of the month of Ramadan? What is it all about? So let's look at that, what's in there, and then see how do we compare that with the understanding of what happens on Hajj. The purpose for the fitra in the month of Ramadan is two. Two things. One, so that Allah Ta'ala can allow that nobody can claim on the day of Eid that he did not have something to eat. There will be, at least for him, he didn't have a lot, but he had to be able to. He cannot claim, I didn't have anything. That there is no such person on that day. That's one. What is the second reason? The second reason is that which the person that has fasted pays. Allah use that payment of him. The, the more he can pay, the better it is for him as a means that Allah Ta'ala clears the faults, the errors, the shortcomings and the, that he has performed his fast and he did not fulfill. And the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, if he does not pay it in time, it will not be considered as a means to clear that and he will have all his faults and errors and weakness done seen part of his the month of Ramadan and he will then must, might be able to not being accepted his month of Ramadan. So your paying of your fidya in the month of Ramadan or what we call the fitra in the month of Ramadan is all about paying for that to grant your ibadah to be accepted by Allah. So yes, if you understand that, you wouldn't mind to pay anything. Um, because we understand that we, uh, um, the totals that they give to you is, is the least, L-E-A-S-T, the very, very least that you may give when they tell you that is the amount that must be given. But if you realize, I don't want to give the least, I want my ibadah to be accepted. I must probably are human and I have weakness and faults within me, so I want it to be accepted, I want to be part of the best, and I give better than that which is the least. May Allah grant us khair and barakah. Similarly, in the month of, in the part of Hajj, Allah has put on us a job lot, a load in what Allah calls fidya or hadi or fitra or, 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 or hadi or fidya that must be paid. And that is the slaughtering of the sheep or the different animals. Its objective is two, like that of the month of Ramadan and the fitra. Its objective is two. What is the two here in the month? One, so that Allah can find reason for excusing you and pardoning you for any, father, for any errors and faults and shortcomings and weaknesses you had on your hajj. And Allah can overlook that via the fitra, via the fidya or the, 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 the hadi. Allah can pardon you for that. And secondly, that Allah Ta'ala may be able to see as a means of having enough for food to eat and thus the person who slaughters the animal may enjoy a portion of that animal up to one third you may enjoy of that animal so there is food for you so Allah has made indirectly food available for you that you can have to eat that's nothing the rest goes to 
all the other hujaj from all the other countries and all the people of Makkah that nobody can claim that there's not somebody who doesn't have if the amount of animals that needs to be slaughtered because of the amount of hujaj that there is can anybody claim that they are poor there is so much says the people too much for the people of Makkah too much for all the hujaj that they even send it out outside if you go to the banks and pay in and they then see that the these goes to the poor and the needy everywhere around the world may allah grant us understanding and we recognize what we're here for and allah grants our hajj to be accepted inshallah Amen. she was speaking about the reasons for sacrificing and also looking at that linking it to the fitra that we paid during the month of ramadan as well as looking at how we are going to be linking that so that we can have a better understanding inshallah as to why we need to sacrifice in Makkah. For now we are going to be continuing as to where Sheikh stop Sheikh Fatou. Shukran jazakallah khair. Yasmin alhamdulillah. When it comes to the, uh, the uh, information that we've done on fiqh, I think we've covered it all. Alhamdulillah. Shukran jazakallah khair. We now get to a new approach what we deal with the history of Hajj. And here, it's an important aspect that you and I understand. Um, because of time constraints, we'd have to see what we probably can do. And allow me to be able to remind you people of the verses of Allah in Surah number 3, Surah Ali Imran, verse 96 and verse 97. And if you probably feel you want to go and have a look there, whilst with us whilst we are going through it. What does Allah say there? Allah says, Verily, the first house of worship appointed for mankind was at Bakka, full of blessings and a guidance for humanity. As to the first house, there's difference of opinion of the scholars when they say the first house. Was this first house built by Abu Nabi Adam alayhi salatu wasalam, or was the house on the, ba- the Baytullah, was it already in, on the earth? As some scholars says, it was either sent down from Allah from Jannah and or built by the angels there. And it was there at the very place where in Makkah it was built and brought down place there that a, the situation in the time of Nabi uh, um, Nabi Nuh, when the floods came, it was taken away, and the, the, but the foundation was still there. And Nabi Nuh was and actually came around with his with the ship and went around the the Baytullah, made the tawaf around the Baytullah. Um, these are the factors. But Allah says it's at Bakka, and Nabi Ibrahim then later says to us, and you remember in his prayer that he says. Inni askantu min dhurriyati biwadin ghayri dhi zar'in ainda baytika al-muharram At the place where the foundation of your law, the house is. Now, all those blends in one to the one place. And Nabi Ibrahim taking his family there. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah showing to us how Allah Ta'ala has taken the process of the, the building of the Kaaba as the first house in, of Allah Ta'ala, what has happened when Allah Ta'ala allowed it to be taken away from the time of the 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 um, tafud, uh, the um, floods at the time of Nabi Nuh, Allah Ta'ala took a, a portion of that of that what came from the stones from Jannah, 
and have it placed by asking the Malak to put it into a cave somewhere near Makkah. And it was taken and was placed into the into this cave and that color closed it. When Allah sent Nabi Ibrahim years later to rebuild the Kaaba, Jibreel then went to that cave and had the the the, the uh, stone taken out of the cave and brought to Nabi Ibrahim and said to him he must place it as part of the Kaaba inside the Kaaba and it is the stone that we call today Hajar al-Aswat. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah That tells us of the process of how this stone and according to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was pure white. The stone was pure white but Allah allowed it by the touch of man on it. Man touches it and whoever touches it, his sin, his weakness has an effect on the stone and brings about a change in color and it's become black because of that. We called it the black stone. And that black stone was not black, it was pure white, it came from Jannah. Um, and that stone, as whoever touches it today, is going to be benefiting from it. And no person who has touched it or kissed it will enter the fire of Jahannam. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. May Allah grant khair and barakah to all our hujaj and grant us to understand the fortune and the favor that we have and that we take use and make use of the quality and the value that there is within this. So verse number 96 and the verse number, verse numbers 96 and 97, Allah says, In the awwala bayti villi, the first house of worship appointed for mankind was at Bakkah, full of blessings and guidance for Al-Alameen. And then Allah says, In it is a manifest signs, manifest signs of Allah. For example, Allah says, Maqam Ibrahim, the, the, the place where Nabi Ibrahim was standing on, or the thing that was the, 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 the um, thing that moved Nabi Ibrahim up and down to be able to go to the various levels. Maqam Ibrahim and whosoever enters that place, the city, the city of Makkah, he will definitely find himself in security and safety and protection. And Allah's made it a necessity upon man. Man owes Allah the Hajj to the Baytullah. He whosoever puts in the need to sacrifice and commitment to fulfill it. kafar, And if he does not, says Allah, Then Allah is not in need of anything of the whole universe. Showing to us that Allah wants us to be able to see that we fulfill the ibadah, but we recognize the fortunate of this. When Allah granted this gift to humanity, we then know of the other signs, the, the, the issue that happened that Allah indicates to us thereafter in the verses, Surah number 2, verse 124. Surah number 2, verse 124. And Surah number 2 is obviously Surah Baqarah, 124. Is when Allah says to us, وَإِذِبَتَلَا إِبْرَاهِيمَ رَبُّهُ بِكَلِمَاتٍ فَأَتَمَّهُنْ قَالَ إِنِّي جَاعِلُكَ لِلنَّاسِ إِمَامًا قَالَ وَمِنْ ذُرِّيَّتِي قَالَ لَا يَنَالُ عَهْدِ الظَّالِمِينَ 
And Allah Ta'ala says, and remember when the Lord Allah Ta'ala, the Lord of Ibrahim, tried him by, with certain commands. Allah Ta'ala tested him with certain commands. He fulfilled it, which he fulfilled is Allah. He, Allah said to him, Allah said to Nabi Ibrahim, Verily I am going to make you an imam, a leader to all mankind, to follow you. Uh, they may follow your footsteps and they may follow your method of serving their Lord. Ibrahim said in response, Qal Nabi, wa min and of my and of my offspring, would you make of them leaders as well? Allah says, Allah responded, La yanalu It would not, my covenant of prophethood and of leaders, being leaders and being guidance to mankind, includes not those people who are the zalimin, the wrongdoers who go against my law and my order. Subhanaka Rabbla Hawlawlaqwata illa billah. So immediately after that verse, Allah goes on 124 up to up to verses number uh, 125 and 126 and 127 and 128 and 129. Now, in the historical process of how Allah allowed this to happen, Allah tells us what happened of the process in the Holy Quran. But allow me to be able to, before getting there in those details of what Allah says in this verse here, allow me to take you over to how in the historical process it happened. Allah Ta'ala said, I tested Nabi Ibrahim. One of the tests that I did to Nabi Ibrahim, I asked him to take his family, his wife and his young baby to take them away from where he is in Palestine, to take them off to the, uh, the valley where I'm going to show him where to, take, to leave them. Shukran and so Allah. much for that, Sheikh. We are now by the history of the Hajj where Sheikh is expounding a bit on that. We are going to be branching into some of the questions that has come through via our WhatsApp as well as our SMS. And Sheikh, here some of the questions that came through. The first one states, Salam Sheikh, I must go for Hajj, but my husband passed away. What about the Ida period? Shukran. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. I think a very vital question because it happens from time to time with people. Um, Allah is the one that chooses us to win. In the issue of this person, um, the, 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 the person her husband has died on and she has an idda that she needs to as a compulsory factor which Allah has placed upon her also. And she has not left for travel as yet. The best would be to be able to perform the idda first and have to go for hajj thereafter. The other um, important factor, if she has somebody with her, that the scholar says, that can be the role of the the, uh, um, the mahram for her, 
then like for instance if she has a father with her or her brother with her now that the husband has passed on or the son of her that's going with her for the Hajj then she probably can pursue carry on with having to be able to see that she does the ibadah of Hajj in such a way that she respects the Iddah for that period and when she comes back she carries on to respect the Iddah for the Iddah of the, 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 the married of the woman who was her husband has passed away her idda is four months and ten days. So the process of having her to understand the issue of the idda and having to respect the idda as an ibadah is something as a value for herself and f- because it's an ibadah what she, that you're doing. The idda is an ibadah commanded and put upon by Allah. It's not difficult. We make it difficult. We need to see that we the idda is something that we the family must realize. Allah tests us the family of the person whose husband has died. Allah teaches us to see whether we are doing our duty to show support to this woman. Now the idda is not upon her alone, it's upon the whole family. All her children must be able to give their time. Her sons, her daughters, the daughters-in-laws and sons-in-laws and the grandchildren must all make the issue, their life issue must be around the woman that is now in Idda. They must give all their time, their sacrifice. They must put the Idda of a woman that's in, in, in of husband that's passed away and the Idda of the woman whose husband has uh, given her talaq or if there's a fasah. The idda of the children of that woman must be able to break their backs, go out of her way, to be able to see that they serve that mother to the best of their ability. That is the test of Allah on them to see whether they, they are prepared to want to be obedient to Allah. Are they prepared to be able to live as Muslims and do their life? Because everything that needs to happen needs to be then around mummy. They must see that their whole life now becomes the life where Allah's tested mummy. So Allah must put, they must put their life on hold immediately. And they put everything, focus in their life becomes their hers. And this is what Allah wants. Allah has made them, has made her their mother. And she must be given the reverence that no other woman, no other man, no other human being must be get, get for the fact that Allah has made them, has made them the children of that mother. That is every, the, the idda of a woman that whose husband has passed away, or she's gone through a, a, a talaq or fasah or something of that nature, then that is the command of Allah Ta'ala. So the, and we must understand the process of that and the rest of the family. To such an extent is the role in Idda where a woman has a husband has passed away or a husband, a husband has passed away or there's been the, the fasakh or the talaq. Then the, even the community, the community, the neighbors must show care, love, compassion. They must knock at the door. They must find if this woman is in need of something. They must do the shopping. They must go out. They must get this, that, and the other. They must serve this woman to be able to say she that she has. Not she. Only when it's absolutely necessity. Only when it's absolutely necessity. And in this case of this woman who says her husband has passed on, if she does not have the... Uh, 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 
somebody else who can stand in his position, who immediately, who has been uh, afforded to perform the Hajj with her, then unfortunately the best would be for her to complete her idda in the t- time here. And she must then go through the processes with Sahuk to let them understand she's prepared to want to go the next year because, and that they must be able to assist and accommodate the processes for her to have somebody of her family members to stand in. If a husband has not gone for Hajj, and one of her sons has gone for Hajj, they probably can do the the, the Hajj bundle for the husband. And if if he, if he hasn't gone for Hajj and they don't have somebody that can be of like his own brothers or um, some of his family members, then this is an this is part of the processes that she needs to be able to see that one of her sons who has been for Hajj, that they go with Hajj with her and do the 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 the, the battle Hajj for the father at the same time. These are all the issues that goes in the process. May Allah make it easy for her and for all our bihujaj, inshaAllah. And we do not cry about the fact that I cannot go for Hajj now. She need to immediately make contact with 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 Sahuk, so that issues can be put into place for the sake of Allah Taala. Shukran so much for answering that question. This is now the time period where we deal with all of your questions and that you have sent through via SMS as well as whatsapp and then sheikh here's another question that has come through on our whatsapp number this is assalamu alaikum sheikh i did send a message but didn't hear the answer however i brought the stones with after throwing the jamara it was in my ihram top's pocket what do i do now bismillahirrahmanirrahim i think a very important question for all of us to understand in the words of the nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam the haram of makkah is sacred the haram of medina is sacred now the Haram of Makkah and the Haram of Medina is those places where you and I go and do the ziyarah in and go low around there and going to, the, uh, going to Arafah, going to Mina, going to Mustarifah. That is all part of the sacred places that we are. So if anything that has been picked up in Musdalifa has been left and brought with to Cape Town or anything that in the city of Medina or in the surroundings of Medina, you've picked it up and you brought it along. Some people is under the impression that there's sacred qualities that happens with the ground of Medina. If you put it into your purse, it will be all will be money in it. It is haram. It is absolutely haram. It is doing. It's like drinking wine. It is like eating khinzir. It's exactly like it's absolutely haram because those are sacred land that you cannot take out a single grain of land. You cannot take from any of those things and bring it to you this part of the world. Leave alone from the Kaaba. Leave alone the Kaaba, not the Kaaba only. The whole city, the whole land. But the understanding must be the people of Makkah in the Jahiliya period didn't want anybody to do any harm to the land or take any ground. Remember what we said earlier on that English word that says if something is something is the reserve, it's a reserved area. Now in Cape Town there is a reserve area in, in at what we call the, 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 the place where we go to Cape Point, you say it's reserve. And the word reserve, reserve means from an Arabic aspect, it means it is haram ground. It is haram. Honorable, revered and honored. It cannot be. Now we have taken that from what Allah has made, the Makkah and Medina haram, has made it haram. We've given then the name, say, uh, what we call um, sacred or, or, or reserve area. 
as a means that we cannot break the plants, we cannot take stones, we cannot kill the animals, everything is in preserved. Not the birds in the sky, not the, 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 the animals that walk around in the, in the area. We can only go to the sea and must probably hunt in the sea, but besides the hunting in the sea, none of the other forms of hunting is permissible. Now, the same happens with anything that you brought from Makkah. You need to see that you send it back and accept it as a fact that you have sinned if you brought it with you. And ask Allah, please, to pardon you, forgive you. Ask Allah for pardon, forgive us, and send it back there ASAP. Now, if ASAP means that you send it at an, on, on uh, uh, courier, then you have to do it that way. And if it means that you have to send it with the, the, the earliest khujaj, then you have to do it that way. And if it means the earliest is to be able to send it to somebody who goes into an umrah, then send it back to that place and ask him to put it amongst a place where there's stones. You put the stones among places where the stones is, and you put the clay at the place where it's the clay. Now, if you brought it from Medina, don't send it to Makkah. If you want it from Makkah, don't send it to Medina. PC that you take it to the very area that it comes from, that it goes back there, and make sure that the person who takes it from you understand your message clearly, and you take it there. Because if that person takes it to the wrong place, then you will be a sinner in the sight of Allah as long as that happens. May Allah forgive. Shukran so much for answering that question, Sheikh. And then there's another question that has come through. It says, Wassalam, Sheikh. Can Sheikh please explain if you qualify for more than one of the five prohibitions? Do you need to sacrifice a sheep for each or will one sheep suffice for all? Shukran. If one is uh, uh, viable to pay, uh, 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 like the one you have to pay for, the, the, the fidya. I mean, I'm sorry for the... The, you need to do the dumb as what we call it, dumb. We, we Allah calls it hadi in the Holy Quran to do with, with tamatua. So you need to do one. So if you have another one example, you need to be able, you, you had your hair cut before the time whilst in the state of Ihram, and you have to now uh, um, uh, uh, slaughter, uh, slaughter one for, for the fact you had because you were sick. Allah tell us not going to keep it against you if you need to be able to pay one on behalf of all that. And then that one is the one that has been payable at the time of when you actually go and after you, after on the days of Hajj, whilst in Ihram, and you slaughter the sheep. So it is not wise then. Because any probable thing can happen whilst you, like for instance, if you for that matter slaughter a sheep in the Hajj season, whilst in Makkah, but you have it done by having an animal slaughtered during the, period, during the Hajj period, and you unfortunately have it done before going onto the into the haram for hajj then during your hajj you might just do something that harms your status of the hajj then you've done your slaughtering already prior to then then unfortunately you've gone you've got to give another one but if you leave it for the very very end and that is on the days of hajj you have it slaughtered then you pay for your slaughtering, then you see that it's been done. And Alhamdulillah, one sheep or one, if, if you need to slaughter a camel or a goat, or, I mean a camel or a, or, a, or a cow, then you slaughter one of them and one slaughtering would be sufficient for everything. 
if for that matter you need to slaughter a sheep you want slaughter one sheep and that would be sufficient for the process of that nature may Allah accept from all of us inshallah I mean, the, the following question, we've got a few questions that came through uh, this afternoon, Sheikh. The following question was, Salam, could Sheikh please state whether the paying of the dam has a specific time period and which is the sunnah? According to this sunnah tariqah of the dam, uh, slaughtering of the dam period, uh, the question first has to do with the period. I need to just indicate besides the period, the, pl- the dumb slaughtering has first and foremost a place where it must be slaughtered. Allah says that you do not leave your state of ihram until the hadi reaches the place where it needs to be slaughtered. So what becomes very clear, it has a specific place where it must be slaughtered. As for the time, it can only happen during the Hajj period. The Hajj period is from the first of the of of the first of of Shawwal, which is the day of Labarang Ramadan, from that day onwards until the thirteenth of the Hijjah, until the thirteenth of the Hijjah. For then, the, that is the length, the period that must be done. And as we've said, if in that period you did fulfill a one slaughtering at the beginning and 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 then something happens later you need to do it again if and something else happened so if you can slaughter it but later uh, uh, the, the last part of it then there's nothing wrong against you and Allah would be use it as an expiation against the, the errors and the faults that there is may Allah accept from all of us inshallah shukran so much for answering and then also Sheikh here's another one question that came through and states salam Sheikh will my Hajj be valid if I get on the plane and go for Hajj without greeting because I don't wish to go around greeting shukran yeah, I think this question was somewhat dealt with before, but just the need for the repetition of this is the understanding for all our people. This issue about greeting, we must understand, is an advice given to us, an instruction given to us by the leader of you and me, our role model, our teacher Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, wherein he speaks. And you and I need to understand, when we say it's the role model, the teacher, the one whom Allah has sent to guide you and me, we must recognize that He is He was sent to guide us to the best of guidance. And if we violate that, we violate the f- we're almost fighting Allah. So we must go out of our way, we must break our backs, we must go the million kilometers to see that that is what we do. And whatever is in the makeup of you and me that is different to that, we must immediately take it and throw it in the sea or throw it into the monk, the mug and the dug that this is. It is destructive, that which I and you have. We remove it from ourselves. We hate to know that we have such feelings because that is in opposition which comes from Allah and His Rasul. If our messenger has guided us, it appears to be a Kryptonian process. Listen to the words of our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he says, if you go onto any journey, see that you go and inform the people around you. Inform your family members. Inform your neighbors. Inform your friends. Inform everybody that you're going onto a journey. Inform them. And then beg of them for the safety of your journey. And our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa makes it clear and clarifies the fact. He says, for the safety of your journey depends on the dua of those people that you've left behind. Your family, your friends, your neighbors, your dear ones. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Who says this? Me? A professor? A doctor? A scholar? 
Anybody with some, some research? No, none of them. They cannot tell you that. It comes directly from Allah. It comes from the Lord of the universe. He instructs, He informs His Prophet وسلم, to guide you and me away from the darkness and the ignorance and the back and bad part of life to take us to success and the beauty and wonder of life so that you and I may be able to do that which Allah wants for us. And he says, and when you're on the journey, sallallahu alayhi wa and we, the person that's on the journey, when he's on the journey, whilst on the, your journey, whilst on your journey, make dua for those people you've left behind. The safety of them depends on you, the person that's on the journey. May Allah grant khair and barakah to all of us, inshallah. Shukran so much, Sheikh. And then the following question is, it is only when, is it only when on Hajj if someone accidentally touches you that you would do breaks or does it apply for any other time also? Shukran. Shukran, Jazakallah. I think that's an important question. Even now we've dealt with that question as well. And I suppose it's a needed question that we constantly need to remind ourselves and others about. What, what happens? We need to understand First and foremost, when anybody goes onto the, the bird of Hajj and he was wishes to be able to prepare himself in an, a, a process where his wudu doesn't have to break and he wants to use what we call the other madhahib to do that, then unfortunately he misses the bird. There's a misunderstanding where that is concerned. For when a person is, you've taken wudu, remember the wudu is not given to us by Imam Shafi'i, not given to us by Imam Malik, not be given to us by Imam Abu Hanifa, not by Ahmad Hanbal, none of them has given to us the wudu, it comes from Allah. And everything that is in the wudu that comes from Allah of the Qur'an and the sunnah tariq of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is implemented by us in accordance with what the Nabi says. And there's a very clear, vivid points of what must be done of what when is it accepted and when it's not accepted hadith shows us very clearly when is your do accepted and when is your not accepted and it doesn't go for what imam shafi or Hanif or muhammad Hanbal says if the nabi says it you put everybody of them on the side and you don't listen to what they say because muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam has spoken and you and i are muslim they it's not many a time not they saying it as some scholars are peeping saying things and you and i are if you are muslim you do what allah and his rasul say right so the issue about on Hajj, whether your do can be broken there, depends very much on you understanding the fact that you do not touch anybody purposefully. So when you have wudu and you're a Shafi'i person, or a Hanafi person, or a Maliki person, and anybody touches you, intentionally touches you, and you touches the person, the wudu is in, in and uh, is surely broken and you there's no way that you can make up the, that wudu except for a husband and wife under the Hanafi madhab so now there's a difference except for husband and wife when they're in because Imam Shafi didn't say they cannot hold hands Imam Shafi says the husband and wife can hold hands while having wudu but they mustn't touch one another with feeding and this is according to the Shafi'i mother, but difficult and uncomfortable because how does the husband and wife touch one another without having feeling? But that's quite possible. Because uh, in the Sunnah Tariqah that we need to take wudu every night before we go to sleep. 
And where does the man sleep according to the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam? In the words of Aisha radiallahu anha, if she didn't have a khayd, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam uh, uh, would not tie his lungi. So how did they have wudu? I think you adults, I think we all understand. What is the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi teaching us? It's to do with the fact that when you move on the, in, the, in, the, in the Hajj and you touch, somebody touches you touch, by, by simply touching you and you're not even sometimes sure whether it's his hand or not, then your do is not broken. Whether it's his hand or not, his hand, his body, your, your, your arm went against his body. The wudu is not broken in, in that sense. You, it, there was no intention, no na, nothing. Unless you are a person who uh, uh, want to touch everybody, then you know for sure what's in your mind. So yes, your wudu is broken already, but prior to the fact, the fact that you touch the person. So that touch doesn't, because now imagine you touch somebody in the first, in your first uh, uh, shout of your tawaf. You just made your niyyah for the tawaf, and you're in your tawaf, and there somebody touches you. You go outside, you can take wudu and come back. You've got to start from the beginning again. You just made the niyyah, and, and just as you go niyyah, in the first out, uh, somebody touches you again. How many times you can take wudu? How much water are you going to waste? To come to one to make tawaf, you will never be able to perform one tawaf. It's not going to be possible. Allah did not make our deen impossible for us. Audin is a very easy, very detailed, very specific by saying to us, see that you purify your mind, see that you have control of yourself, see that you are aware, and you do not violate the laws of Allah, our Nabi, which is your teacher and mine. Never ever touch the, uh, the hand of an opposite person, so don't ever touch anybody. And if you go for Hajj, you don't allow anybody to touch you, and in you to touch of the opposite sex. Because it's, it's absolutely haram. You don't allow them. Don't entertain the harams and want to find excuses within the madhaibs to be able to get away with all our weakness and our faults. You don't get away. Allah tells us away of everything we do. We do it either in accordance with Allah and His Rasul guide us to, to be obedient to Allah Ta'ala to the best of our abilities. And may Allah grant us to what has been successful for the process of having to do it in the appropriate manner, inshallah. So even if it's a Shafi or a Hanafi or a Malik or a Hanbali, if you intentionally touch, it is definitely broken. And if you have no intention and you just scrape the person against you or you against the person with no intention, subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah, you do so perfect, you carry on. Shukran Shukran so much, Sheikh. And then there is another question that has come through. It says, Salam, Sheikh and Sister. When do they slaughter the sheep for our haji? When do they slaughter the sheep for our haji? Depends on what you, the person, says to the people to whom you give the money to slaughter the sheep. Okay. Now, if you go to the bank to want them to slaughter the sheep for you from the bank, they will only slaughter it on the days of hajj. Which means they will slaughter on the day of Labarang, which is Yawmun Nahr, the day of slaughter, or the first of Yawmun Tashrik, the first three days of Tashrik, the first, second, or third days of Tashrik. They could be slaughtered then if you go to via the bank. If you go via uh, 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 agents and ask the agents slaughter, they choose when they slaughter it for you when the money is available. There's various talks about it. My words and advice would be to you, if you have it done by them and you're not sure whether they're going to slaughter it on the days of, of the, the day Yom Nahar and the days of Tashrik, then unfortunately, if something happens uncomfortable, 
then you cannot claim that you have saved yourself from the process in the event anything happens with the state of Ihram. May Allah protect and grant khair and barakatullah Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. We have then also completed the questions that have come through now. However, if you are going to be also sending through other questions, we will probably look at that tomorrow, inshallah. But we have come to the very end of the program, and this is where I'm going to be asking Sheikh to do the closing to offer us, inshallah. Shukran for that one. Yasmina, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Wal Asr, Innal Insana Lafi Husr, Illa Ladina Amanu Amilu Salihat, Watawaso Bil Haki, Watawaso Bil Sabr. وصلى الله على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وبارك وسلم سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك والحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله رب العالمين That then concludes our program Madrasa on A Tune in tomorrow again inshallah Same time, same place To follow up on the history of Hajj